soothing sounds of a storm <laughs> that you might be able to enjoy on this intro. Um, hello and welcome to the first episode of the second series of Who Are You Wearing? Who Are You Wearing? is a podcast where I, Kiri Pritchard McLean, stand-up comedian and clothes perf, chat to the most stylish folk I know about their journey with clothes, style and fashion. We are kicking off series two with an absolute corker of an episode as I'm chatting to the incredibly stylish presenter and journalist, Mikita Oliver. Clothes go deep for Mikita, and this is a really special episode, especially if you are a charity shop fangirl like me. Her enthusiasm for clothes, and especially secondhand clothes, is so contagious. I really identified with her struggle with her identity in and out of school. Now, I haven't spoken about that much before because I truly feel mad when I do. (laughs) So it was a really lovely, liberating chat for me to have with someone else who felt like they were one thing at school and another thing with their friends outside of school or another thing at home. Yeah, then maybe when you have that conversation with someone else, you think, well, maybe other people might have experienced this as well. So get in touch if you wanted to chat about that, because, yeah, it certainly rang some bells for me. This conversation was recorded in November 2021. I'm in my cupboard, as usual, in Wales, and Nikita was at home in London. Settle in for this one. She's so generous with her time and so enthusiastic and interesting. Um, This is a really great podcast. Um, Settle in and enjoy me asking Nikita Oliver, who are you wearing? I think people feel like when they're talking about clothes, they can't get deep, but it's very deep clothes. It's what we put on every day and it's how we express ourselves. And I think when I see pictures of myself really young now, like four, five and six, my mum was in control and she loved a sort of ladybird separate. So I was in a lot of cardigans, a lot of little skirts. Basically what I wear now, I realised. Uh, little stripy <laughs> jumpers, little skirt, but then like red tights and like red shoes. She was, but then she told me recently a lot of that was me. But I remember the thing that really impacted me was being nine. And I, it's just so weird to think of. I wore a boiler suit, a navy kind of workman's boiler suit with trainers. And I just remember going to the and going, I feel really attractive today. And all the boys chased me around the playground all afternoon. And I was like, there's something powerful in this void of suit. <laughs> and it's, it wasn't sexy. And I was only, sorry, I was probably more like 10. But I think it was me knowing what I felt good in. And mm. then, of course, that always makes you more attractive, even at 10. <laughs> yeah. I think I felt really good in it. And I, did, and I didn't know why, but I was like, love this. Love this thing. I wore it all the time. That's so cool. Of course, the boys could have just been really after a plumber. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I probably thought I was just there to do some service. (laughs) (laughs) But I think we're about the same age, and I feel like a boiler suit, that was like... That was a strong look back then. Like, that's quite an unusual choice to make. Yeah, what was it? It was probably 95, and I think I just got into grunge. I just got into Nirvana a little bit. And I think also my mum knew the guy who worked at Maharishi. And I think that we had a kid's boiler suit from that, from that like lying around. I did not go seeking it out. It was like in the house <laughs> and it fit me perfectly, but it was quite baggy. But yeah, I remember that I wasn't aware of whether it was a look at that time or whether people were wearing them. I was only 10, but I definitely thought I feel good in this, which is, you know, a powerful moment in clothes when you realise how good they can make you feel. Totally. So you're a 10-year-old who's into grunge and those outfits that you see beforehand, turns out you had a hand in them anyway. It feels like from the get-go you've had an idea about, uh, you know, your style. Yeah, big time. Yeah, I guess I did. I guess I did. I've never really been... I was in my early 20s, but at this time, of course, I wasn't really into fashion, but I've always been interested in clothes and the and the things that people wear I have always been Mm. interested in style personal style and the choices we make and why and I think that with the minute I liked music so Jade SWV boys to men at eight my first thing was like what should I wear what will I be wearing I was very attracted to what they wore and they looked good Kiri they were in like DMs so good lumberjack shirts dungarees Mm -hmm. oversized cut-offs I was like this is and actually interestingly it was a black 
R&B, American R&B culture uh, style. But then when I moved into loving grunge, I was like, it's all the same clothes, like lumberjack shirts, baggy jeans, DMs. So I think I was always into that particular look for a long time, no matter what my music tasted. That's so cool. Which is quite a vibe for 8 to to 11 to know that that's what you're into. It really is, because most of the people are just wearing what they're kind of told to wear and not really... And if they're putting together stuff, it's just like... The, oh, these are my most comfortable jeans and I like that football shirt. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? But at 10, aren't you like, one is like desperate to feel things and, you know, you, you're not going out yet, you're not snogging boys yet, maybe. And I feel like it was the only way to have fun was to like dress mm. yourself up. But I was also brought up around a lot of brilliant maverick women, my grandmother, my mother and all my aunties, and they all had very clear identities and very clear personal style. And I think osmosis was at play and I was mm. fed quite a powerful message because all my cousins are the same. Everyone has very personal style. And I think we were told very early, whether we were told verbally or just by the vibe around us, that, that, that you could mm. do that and it was fun and important to who you are yeah well who was who was dressing you then so was it were you getting influences i can see obviously there's pop culture coming in there and you've got these examples of like your mom and your aunties but like is it cousins is it you know like or is it all coming from you i think that um mum was really dressing me basically it started with my nan because my nan wears all her clothes are from charity shops. So from that age, so from birth, I was just told that that was just, it wasn't a lesser option. It wasn't a, another way to live. It was uh, the way we lived. And, you know, we were all poor mm. and skin and lived in unbelievably the best secondhand place in the world, which is Portobello. So <laughs> I didn't ever see secondhand clothes as a secondary thing. They were celebrated, mm. useful and all around. And then I think... By the time we got into our teens, yes, me and my cousin Neymar and my cousin Phoebe, we were all, and no, still, we all have very individual style, but we were all a little pack of like, we like grunge. Okay, now we like hip hop. Okay, now we, you know what I mean? <laughs> but yeah, I was, we all still dressed very differently, I've realised. Yeah, always right little individuals. I quite like that. Well, during this stage then of growing up and being influenced by your nan and things like that, were you ever made to wear an item of clothing that you hated? No. <laughs> no. That's amazing. Yeah. You're one of only, like, t- <laughs> one other person has said that. Everyone else is like, oh, God, yeah, I can tell you. And you're like, no, no. I've always loved everything. Even when we were five, we were bridesmaids at my auntie Nana's wedding, and she let us design our own dresses, which was so fun. What? Yeah, we did it on, like, this. I remember the computer, and we had to, like, put the sleeves on it. And it was, like, I mean, a pink bubblegum meringue nightmare but I had designed it I was very pleased with the arm shape you know what I mean so yeah no I've never really been put in anything I didn't want to wear wow that's amazing I don't know how they I don't know how we <laughs> well did you have um when you were growing up did you have a particular outfit or item of clothing that you'd have to be like surgically removed from yeah I was pretty pretty connected to my shell suit at one point <laughs> <laughs> tell us about the shell oh, suit <laughs> it was dark green and turquoise and just the right bagginess on the legs and i just thought i was a cool motherfucker when i put it on i was like <laughs> this is what being cool feels like and i remember there were a few things mom was like you can't wear your shell suit to that and i didn't like that i was like why not and i think nanny was like you can't wear your shell suit every day i was like why not so yeah that i, I probably <laughs> Would have had a proper fight if I was told to not wear that shell suit. Would I wear a <laughs> shell suit now? Yeah, I think I would. Yeah, do you know, I've I've seen a couple of people look incredible in sort of like 1980s ski suits. Yeah, I love all those. And the colours, like the pinks and the whites. It was always a nice colourway on a shell suit. But I think yeah. they were highly flammable or some shit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you can't smoke in them. It's just a fact. It's like, you can't be near an open flame, but you look great. <laughs> no bonfire night yeah. displays if you're right. wearing a shell suit. Right. But I will look into shell suits. You just reminded me of them like a good CNA shell suit. Yeah. They are they are great. Oh. They are very cool. Miss CNA. So when you were growing up as a teenager, there was lots of trends going on. 
Um, were there any that you indulged in or did you just, was that all happening adjacent to what you were doing and cracking on with? This was actually quite an important, that's a really important question of my life, particularly because uh, when I discovered Nirvana and grunge music in general, it's because we went and had a summer, in, my cousin Phoebe and I, in Spain at my auntie, same auntie, let me, design a better dress, at her house in Spain with all my cousins. And we had a big old summer there and there were two friends visiting from New York called Willie and Cheyenne. And they were so cool. They were 15 and we were 12 or 11. <laughs> and they were just committed to grunge and dressed it, lived it, breathed it. And I just wanted to know everything. Um, and then when I came back to London, I started secondary school and was like, woo, I wear my army camos, my purple DMs. I've got my purple, I used to have plaits just like now, but I dyed them purple with Kool-Aid. Another story. <laughs> and then I thought I'd be the most popular chick in school. And it was an issue because I was black and all the black kids were like, why are you dressing like a dirty hippie? And all the white kids were just confused, I think. And actually, and it was at a time in the 90s in London, I went to Holland Park School, where uh, no one was dressing like that, not even white kids. Everyone was dressing wow. like rude boys and rude girls. So it was, it was a real weird thing where I had to go, do I stick to this or do I conform? And I was only 11, mm -hmm. but I remember going, okay, I'll conform. And I did about a month where I got a bomber jacket and a pair of leggings, and I was like, okay. And I just hated it. I didn't feel like myself. So I decided to be a dirty hippie and I got bullied badly for about three years. I actually went to lots of different schools and one school was a uniform and I sort of pretended that I was a rude girl and then at the weekends I would wear my flares and go and visit my real friends and I was so scared about someone from school seeing me, like properly nervous. So it became this like deciding to stick to your own identity became quite a big decision in my life and something that sometimes I felt like I had to keep secret and sometimes I felt like I had to stand up for even if it caused me to get bullied for years so again I think clothes became a really important part of identity for me around then sort of 11 to 14. That is weirdly almost exactly the same experience of when I moved up to secondary school um I would dress in my flares that I made, like me, you know, out of like 70s tea towels I'd found. Like you cut oh out God, jeans wicked. and put the panel in. And then in school, to stop, to try and assimilate and fit into this massive state school, going from a weird little private school that was sort of like hippies ran. Right. And um, I would wear sports clothes and, and talk differently to, to avoid getting like, it's so similar. And I just had this double life. And mm. I was like, I could never introduce the friends to each other. And no. I felt like I was myself on the weekends and then someone else totally. in school. Totally. And it was like living in fear of like, what if anyone saw me? And then I think someone did see me once and went, Makia, I swear I saw you in like some big bell trousers and I was like that wasn't me that wasn't me that wasn't me and I remember thinking like it's not that you thought you'd get beaten up or anything but you just thought you'd be you'd be exposed and yeah. and that's how important clothes are that's how important they can be I'm happy you went through yeah. that as well it was a really stressful time it's so stressful yeah because also there's a bit where I'm like I, well I, I just being in school and, and being there for so many hours and being like on mm. trying to be someone else mm. for as a active I guess self-preservation and also I found it really hard to go from a tiny school where everyone knew me to being in a year of 200 and a school of a thousand I was just like oh god yes. I needed like validation that's what Holland Park was it was I remember there were 1500 students and I'd just come from Spain where I'd gone to school for a few months and I was just like I can't handle this it's like being thrown into the masses and you have to decide whether you want to become part of the masses or stay as an individual and i think we both probably stayed as individuals yeah but secretly <laughs> but secretly <laughs> did you have a rebellious phase as a teenager then and and if so was it showing in your in your clothes <laughs> uh yes i did and yes it was so then when we were 14 no god 13 14 we discovered squat parties um, I was desperate to party when I was a kid. I was desperate to smoke weed. I was desperate to go out and dance and rave. I just wanted to live it up because my parents were those kind of people. So I was just ready to be an adult and do what they did. 14, I was a bit young. Um, but then we discovered squat <laughs> parties and we were like, what is this? And, you know, squat parties, anything <laughs> went. And they were so funny. They were dirty and in old warehouses and, you know, 
deeply illegal and some dodgy shit going on. But there was still a real fashion scene there. It was like parachute trousers, um, crop tops. Sometimes uh, there was one phase where we all got dummies. Eek. Um, <laughs> I know. Oh, dear. And, uh, and I remember it, no matter how, you know, kind of you know, wasted everyone was getting or however crazy and hectic it was. Still very important to me what I wore to every squat party and to my cousins and my friends. Mm. So there was a real hierarchical nature to it as well. So we all started wearing parachute trousers, um, maharishi, little jackets. God, it was pretty good, I have to say, Kiri. We were cool. And then... My cousin went into the squat party life of it even further because she fell in love with, like, a, um, uh, a traveller who was part of the scene and really immersed herself in that scene. So, and then that reflected in her clothes. It became a lot more, like, yeah, traveller wear, like, sort of, like, um, you know, like, track suits and... It was, I don't know, it was, it was interesting to see how the lifestyle of what you've decided to do does start to be reflected in what you're wearing. I, I knew Naima, we'd lost her a bit because she stopped wearing parachute trousers is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> I was like, hmm, you've gone somewhere else. So I think it's interesting that even in an environment like that, which is so reckless and hedonistic, clothes are still really important to where you see yourself mm. in that world and how you progress through it. Yeah, and were you... Were you the youngest at stuff like that, or was it yeah. was it a pretty broad range of? I mean, they were dodgy. There were some ten year olds there. Yeah, people brought their kids and stuff. But also, as the like, yeah, we were definitely the younger ravers. Yeah, it's far, mm. far too young to be honest. <laughs> but I'm just thinking of like, did you also go and like? Like, would you kind of catch... Oh, were there very stylish people that you're like, that, that's the kind of look that I'm going to go... Were they yeah. those people, as well as, you know, pop culture, was this, this squat scene influencing your dresses? Big, well? Yeah, big time. You'd go to parties, and, and this is what I mean, parties had a real hierarchical nature. So, yeah, all the girls... Uh, there was this girl called Nina, been in and out of care, you know, had a really hard life, but all I thought was, God, her hair's beautiful, and I love her blue eyes, and I love the way she dresses. It's like, she'd really been through some shit. You know, that life, <laughs> that, that, that scene had a lot of darkness in it. Um, mm. But for us, it was still, we were teenagers, and it was still our new social scene, and it was mm. important to be accepted in it, so I wanted to look like Nina, so... I gradually just got a bit dirtier and dirtier. And then it and then it got more intense. Like it was like, are you gonna get dreads or are you gonna shave your head? And I got dreads and my friend Cordelia shaved her head. And you know, we were in the scene, but then about a year later I got Pop World and I was like, I have to get rid of these dreads. Like I can't have dreadlocks on TV. And um yeah, painstakingly cut them all off and had to get a weave and oh it was awful. I always wish I just kept my dreads, but it was the minute I wasn't in that scene, everything about the way I looked, I suddenly was like, I have to get rid of this. I actually started going to um Chelsea a bit and start trying to wear heels, bless me, and sort of dresses and coats and try and be like out in on the town at 15 but I was so confused by it all because I've been in squat parties for three years as my social scene so I was that was my most confused time of dressing I don't really know what I was up to wow that's so interesting what a um I mean as well it doesn't feel like a smooth transition it feels like a handbrake turn into a completely different world yeah because when you're at squat parties you don't live in the real world you know you got you sort of you're just waiting for the weekend and then that weekend you get so lost in this crazy world and then sort of go back to school on Monday, like, <laughs> and then you just get ready to go back to squat parties. So to really leave that scene and come back into the world was quite a difficult time for me, and I didn't really know who I was, and I didn't really know what I wanted to wear, which is weird, because I always know what I want to wear, you know what I mean? I knew I was lost, because I didn't know what I wanted to put on. So your style now, which I think, because you've been so well known to so many of us from a young age yeah so we've seen like your style journey i know because because <laughs> no but i didn't none of it is i was when my agent saw your name in my diary she was like oh my god will you please just tell her she's always been consistently brilliantly stylish i was like i'll pass it on yeah um, <laughs> oh that's so nice that's so nice thanks but you're normally i ask people here so what age did the style that you have now start showing up in but i feel like 
do you think the seeds of that were always there in pop world or is it a, is it a much later thing? Because I feel like they're quite distinct, your... That, yeah. that era and yeah. how you are now well we celebrated pop world um 20 years of pop world in january um uh and so simon and i did a bit quite a lot of press about it and had to look at a lot of old pop world stuff and uh i was like oh my god i'm just in charity shop clothes this is not a new thing it was literally like i could see what i was wearing i was like oh my god that's from portobello that's that skirt and nick from Neymar. there's those boots that i <laughs> so it's always been there kiri like always I don't think the way I dress, I suppose, has evolved somewhat. But mm. I've always been the master of my own creation, as it were. Like, I've always liked to put things together myself because of what, what things I'm feeling and interested in at that time. Because it was like a big TV show. I think they did offer me a few stylists. So I was like, absolutely not. I don't think I've ever been like to being told what to wear, ever. And would it take some of the fun out of it for you? Yes, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Everything that's happened recently, um, you know, was, 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 what was it? I, I suppose it was when I did start Steph's show this time last year on Channel 4. And I thought, okay, first studio show I've done in a while. And I thought, oh, I'm going to wear that dress that I got from Ridley Market the other day for four quid. And I wore it and I thought, this is so much more fun. Like, just work. Because I had a period of time on sort of asked T4 when I was doing bits and bobs and I was wearing a lot of Zara and I had a stylist and it was a lot of Zara and Topshop and didn't, it was fine, but I just didn't have as much fun. And in this, I was mm. like, I'm going to have some fun. And then I was like, after how I felt in it that day, I thought I'm not going to wear any clothes that aren't cherry shop clothes. That's actually a really fun challenge for me. And then by like week eight, people were really responding to it. And I suddenly thought this is actually really important because it takes secondhand clothes out of this sphere of um where they can be worn so if i can wear them on mm. telly i think we can wear them anywhere it's only secondhand yeah. clothes we're not talking about rubbish bags so yeah. it was really important for me to show secondhand clothes and all their beauty and all their glamour and everything they can be and how stylish they can be and chic and classic and for me at the time of course throughout the year it made me realize how how in love i really am with secondhand clothes and and that way of living it's been really it's mm. been part of me forever since day as someone who also deeply loves charity shops um like profoundly i'd say they're my first true and longest lasting love oh <laughs> me too me too i honestly get like a do you know what's my worst thing is when i'm like gigging i'm tour or something and i'll go into a town and i'll drive past a shop knowing that I'm going to do a gig and I'm not staying over and I can see a closed charity shop that I already want, like, six things in the window. Oh, my God. And I can just tell it's going to be good because it's an animal one and they've not got their shit together. Exactly. Like, give me a dirty Salvation Army any day over a trade. I mean, trade's fine, yeah. but I, I like the jumble sale ones. I like... Oh, I love an RSPCA. But I'm, I'm like you. I'm filming in South at the moment. And we keep going down this road and I keep going to the driver plate. So what is this road called? Because there's three in a row and they're just like the good ones. You know, the good ones. The good ones. Yeah. I was oh like, my God, I love come it back. so much. I got to come back. <laughs> but I think also it's because um, I've had to discuss it so much recently instead of just it being the way I shop. I've had to really think about it. And I think that there, there are a few elements that are key to it, which is stories. I love stories and I always have. Um, I love feeling that, I've worn something on telly that was worn, I don't know, to like some sister's wedding in the 80s in like Hull. Like, who knows? And <laughs> I love the idea that you have to trust your gut and your instinct. You know, there's not seven tops in... It's not like when you go in like a certain shop and there's like, I need a polar neck and there's one in every colour. With charity shops, you have to see... You have to be drawn to something and you don't know why mm. because you haven't been told to because it's in the miniskirt section or the blah, blah section. You just... You go with your gut. And I think that's a really important mm. way to live and to shop. Yeah. And it's also nice to take the kind of pressure off of, like... Just just the idea of, like, browsing, it brings back the fun of it. Because yeah. also, when I go into, like, a high street shop, and all this is being very aware that, like, I'm... Although I'm plus size, I can still shop in most high street shops. I understand that, actually, if you're plus size, shopping in charity shops is a nightmare. Mm. But when I walk into a high street shop, I have to go, what... Of all these thousands of things in here that other people will have, which is something I don't like, exactly. how does this work with my body? And it so often is, like, it doesn't. Whereas in a charity shop, it'll be, like... 
it's it's part of the adventure of finding something and totally. i think there's a, it just feels like joyous totally this um uh, the, uh, last week <clears throat> it was my cousin's birthday um and she's bigger than me she's not like big but she's not she would not think that there's stuff for her in a charity shop and she was saying i don't want to go out and go to plus size shops and i said let's go to charity shops and we found her um a black cardigan with cherries on it but you know because it wasn't high street it was cool and not like a naff print and we were like i said no let's get that because it will on you be shrunken and tight and actually look really cute and it was so banging on her and when we looked at it it was a size 10 if she had gone to a high street shop looking for size 14 or 16 that she believes she is and not a size 10, then she wouldn't have found something that actually looked so much more banging on her. It it it's mm. it kind of forces you to look at it from another angle, as you said, and mm. be braver and more courageous, which I understand is not how everyone feels every time they want to go shopping, but I know that that is an issue. People feel that there aren't bigger clothes in charity shops, and I have to say it's not as true as you think. It really isn't. It really isn't. I've dressed a lot of different people from charity shops, I make a point. Any shoot we do in a charity shop, try and get the cameraman a shirt, the sound guy, the runner, <laughs> just to show that the breadth of it. Um, mm. I see some nice dresses that are too big for me, but I'm like, I know girls that these would fit with boobs and bums, but they would never go in a charity shop. So mm. I, I want, I want to try and dispel that myth more with some of the new work I'm doing. Yeah, and also I think that it's so weird. People always say to me, "Oh, I never have any luck," and I'm like. So many charity shops I'll go in and not find anything. It's like TK Maxx. <laughs> you just got to keep going. And then you don't go, oh, I went in TK Maxx once and never got anything. You no. remember that one time that you got yeah, a bargain? <laughs> totally. There's a blue flower dress that I got from the RSPCA uh, in Stokey that I wore to my dad's picnic. And I just think it's the probably my favourite thing I've ever found in my life. And every time I go past the shop, I remember that moment. And I go in and I go, oh, Nothing as good as the blue dress. But I'm still like, <laughs> I'll be back because one day there could be because you gave me that blue dress once. You know what I mean? And it was five pounds, five pounds. And it is the, one of the favourite things in my wardrobe, I would say. Yeah, probably. Love it. I have that as well. I have a deep, some charity shops that I like got. I got this amazing, uh, like, mad 80s wide cowboy belt with loads of chains hanging off it and a huge like sort of porcelain painted thing with a horse's head on it was just wild that I got from a charity shop I've been back to that charity shop I'd say 50 times since never got anything but because I got the belt from there I'll always check always check it's like I found magic here once let me go back back. Zara I'm like traumatically scarred like I just feel like it's not a fun experience anymore I think I think we all know too much we all know too much. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, I think that's a really good way of putting it. Too much about the dark it. underbelly. It's like the glamour's gone <laughs> and the fun's gone. makeup as part of your outfit as well yes big time i i'm I'm never really that uh, i don't like to be too neat (laughs) as you can see um but uh for instance like i i plant my hair myself but because i'm so busy at the moment my lovely french kina comes and does it and she's always like oh it's so nice and neat i'm like shakina no she's like don't worry i'll make it look like even dragged through a bush i'll fucking rough rough it out for you because i just i've never liked to be I, I like to be mm, scruffy with my hair, neat with my makeup and neat with my clothes. So, yeah, yeah. But I never wear makeup unless I'm working. So I think clothes for me are much more powerful. I've never felt the same affiliation uh, or affinity for makeup at all. Makeup mm. I associate with work. But hair, a big one for me. Actually, we just... um. Can I talk about this? Yeah. Um, we just... Uh, Mum and I have just finished filming in the Caribbean... And we went to a Rasta camp and they wrapped my hair. Like, oh wow! put it up and then wrapped it in fabric. And so I had a whole day, Kiri, of not having my hair, which I realised I associate with my femininity so much. Like, I, the way I move with it, I'm always doing this. Uh, if I have a date, I'm like, oh, should I wear it down or up? It's a huge part of me feeling sexy and beautiful, I realised. So to have it gone for the whole day, which was like a long last day of filming, I realised that actually 
it was quite freeing. And I had to look into sort of another part of myself that feels sexy and powerful and beautiful, which is, of course, your mind. And I don't know, I felt odd, but it felt new. Yeah, it was good. It was really interesting for me. It sounds amazing. Would you, do you think you would do that more then? Yes. I'm going to start wrapping my hair for certain work things. And uh, I did an interview the other day and they said, what do you think you'll be wearing when you're 60? And I was like, oh, I'm going to wrap my hair and wear silk shirts. <laughs> That's like, it kind of opened my eyes up to where I'm headed. Yes, I'd love to become a, a beautiful raster in my later age. <laughs> that's, that's the evolved Pokemon form. Yes. Oh, I see how Kiri, though, I do. <laughs> I think it's really good. It's really fun to think about what you'll dress like when you're older, like 60 and 70. Yeah. I've never been asked it before. Do you ever do something? I, I do this. I buy something and I go, I, could, I can wear that when I'm 80. And I get really excited. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I've got silk shirts that are coming with me to my old age. Big time. <laughs> Big time. And that's why I like charity shops, because a lot of those shirts are probably from 80-year-old women being passed down. It's just that lovely cyclical nature of feeling like you're part of a movement in the world that feels good and looks mm. great. Yeah. It's just a bloody no-brainer. Yeah, I, yeah totally Where agree. do you live? I live in North Wales, where there's brilliant uh, charity shops. I bet there is. I bet there is. Okay. The... The further, do you know what? Actually, you're someone I can talk about this in depth with. The only thing I've noticed, so so the shitter charity shops are better because they they it tends to be where old people get rid of their stuff, and that's the stuff I'm after. Um, but I've noticed since fast fashion has really taken a hold, some charity I, I'm being less successful in charity shops because it's lots of like ASOS, you know, boohoo, and yeah, yeah. and it, I know it won't last, and it's not very uh, the the fit isn't very good on it, and I just um. Yeah. I'm with you. That I find that dispiriting, I have to say. I hope that it's... Sometimes it makes me feel that, oh, it's because everyone's throwing their fast fashion away. Um, but, yes, I, I find it really like a blockage when it's just Topshop, H&M, Boohoo, you know. Uh, what, what's that private one? Atmosphere. I'm like, oh, God, uh, this isn't good. But I'm like <laughs> you, I'm looking for a weird old lady brand. I'm looking for, like, a weird mm. Italian... Oh, I, do you, know, you know what I mean, like that weird, when you get the label and you're like, what is this weird French place that I've never heard of? Like, that's what <laughs> I'm looking for. That's what I'm Absolutely. I, I'm not really looking for designer gems. You know, people go, I love charity shops, you can find Gucci, did it. I'm not looking for that stuff. I'm looking yeah. for CNA and old, <laughs> old lady brands. And Ladybird one day, one day. <laughs> no, I totally agree. That's and also Mark uh, Saint Michael when oh. Marks and Spencers was still Saint Michael. One hundred percent. I just got a purple dress. Um, I love that you understand that distinction. It's so huge. <laughs> Saint Michael's the best. It's like ah, it's not even M and S. Um, yeah, I got a, I got a really nice purple dress from there with a belt and buttons all up and I got it taken up to crazy short because I love short and it was like suddenly this huge hugely modern elegant dress that I wore to host something the other day and I was like that was a five of St Michael so yeah. Oh, yeah are you adapting a lot of the stuff you get then do you do you have a tailor that you take stuff to well, I, I, I'm a real, a real advocate for dry cleaners because I've got a load of really brilliant dry cleaners around here that are just like my, my girl, my girl Sev up the road. I take her stuff and she's, and I'm like, can we take the arms off? Can we take the scarf? Now she's just like, how short do you want the skirt? <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> but she, she says to me the other day, God, you probably awakened my design pa um, passion again. She said, I used to always be designing and doing things. I haven't done it for years. So I was like, well, I'd rather take it to seven, get it shortened for a fiver than get some tailor to piss about with it. But there are some things um, that I do get this brilliant company called Make New to, um, to tailor for me because they just maybe the more expensive pieces and stuff that I want more intricate stuff. To, like if you want things taken in, that's a little bit more mm. than taken up or taken off. So mm. I mix it around, but go to your dry cleaners because half of them are tailors. Yeah. Yeah. It's a good, that's a big like hidden gem secret. That is like, Psst, those those people you take your coats to like once every two years they're yeah. really skilled Use they're really them. skilled and it's a dying art so like let's support them with the new work that i'm doing with around secondhand i really want to make that a part of it i think it's it would be such a shame if we lost like old school dry cleaners on the corner mm. there's an episode of this that i'll send you when it's out that you'd really love with a, a woman who converts stuff and she's incredible mm. um yes please are there any 
trends that you've repeatedly tried to pull off, but it's just not happening? Well, no, because... You're looking at the pile <laughs> of clothes next to you. <laughs> I'm just thinking, I don't think so, because I don't really like trends. Um, and I suppose the trends... Uh, no, if anything, there are just some trends. I'm like, what? Like, I really don't like a... Um, those genie trousers? What are they called? Those sort of like they're not parachute trousers, they're like something else. And they harem were harem, harem trousers. Harem pants. They were around and the top shop got really excited about those at one point. And I was like, this is not a vibe. And I really I don't like a play suit. I'm really not a fan of a play suit. I used to love dungarees, but I haven't rocked that in a while. No, I don't think so. Not because like there's no trend I can't pull up. It more just because I don't really go towards trends anymore no i don't really look at them like that okay that's good that's a really good answer any items of clothing then that you're like lord knows i've tried because i can't pull off a halter i've got massive tits and quite broad shoulders so in a halter neck i just look wild <laughs> like <laughs> like a, a tit sat down by my waist another one much oh higher up and like really beefy shoulders and I always want to wear a halter neck oh no, no. It, 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 that, it's so awful when there's something you yearn to wear and you feel like you can't I bet you do look fucking bangy in a halter neck though let me think mm. oh well you know what I really went off actually I really went off dresses because when I was um because you know I've, I've lost quite a lot of weight in the last three years but um but for 10 years before that sort of in between t4 and and three years previously to now um I was about two stone heavier, maybe even like three at one point. And the work I was doing, I felt so uncomfortable and I didn't want to be on camera. I hated my hair and I just felt horrible. And my stylist at the time would put me in a lot of dresses because they sort of fix the problem quickly. Stick her in a dress, stick her in a dress. So by the time I lost weight and worked bloody hard to lose a lot of weight, I was like, I'm wearing skirts and tops. I want to wear separates, okay? And my <laughs> mum and I always talk about it because we're both, you know, we train really... She's also lost a lot of weight in the last few years and we train bloody hard together and we really look after each other in it. And she was like... People always go, oh, now you've lost weight. What do you want to wear? Like a dress? And it's like, you don't get it. All I want to do is wear jeans and a T-shirt because when I was bigger, I felt like I could never just pull on a pair of jeans or pull on a pair of t- uh, pull on a T-shirt. I was always stuck in dresses. So I turned against dresses for a while recently. But um, I'm just getting back into them, which is quite fun. But for a while, I was like, ah, dresses. It's triggering, you know? Yeah. The thing you wore it's a lot weird. when you felt like shit is never fun. Yeah, I can tell when I don't feel good about my body because I start wearing, I colour goes out and I yeah. start wearing loads of black again because when I think about when I was very unhappy with my body, it was loads and loads of black and I can tell when I'm, even when I haven't realised myself yet that I'm not comfortable because I'm mm. just like, I think most people, my weight fluctuates and, yeah. you know, there's times that I'm happier and there's times when I'm thinner and I'm actually less happy. So there's, you know, there is a happy point. Um, but yeah, the colour goes is the first thing is a, is a warning flag for me. And I think that's a really important thing with clothes. It's like, you can look at them to figure out where your head's at. Like I had a, you know, sort of terrible day yesterday and I looked down, I was in like a sort of jogger, that jogging, bo- pair of jogging books I don't usually wear and a weird t-shirt that I don't usually wear. And I was in these weird walking boots that I've been wearing to walk my dog because I'm dog sitting for my parents and uh, I was like I don't feel like myself today I don't feel like myself today and I can feel myself slipping into oh I'll just but and for instance the difference is between what I was wearing yesterday and this even though it's just a big red jumper this is my confident jumper like this is the jumper I built my career back in you know what I mean it's like (laughs) it doesn't it's not about the fact that it's a baggy jumper it's what piece of clothing it is and I realized how quickly it is that my clothes can put me in a weird head state again actually I realise it doesn't take much and I think that's why I think so carefully about what I wear now because a lot of clothes are triggering to different times in your life when you were really, really going through some stuff. So I can't really wear leggings and I like leggings, but (laughs) they mess with my head. (laughs) (laughs) Mind me being unemployed. I'm like, no, no, no. no." What's the item of clothing that you've had for the longest and you still absolutely love? Do you know what? It's so ridiculous, but I do love it. I've got to be honest. It's a um, blue T-shirt from Ridley Road Market, which is a, from the One Pound Man, 
but it's such, <laughs> such a nice blue and I've had it for about 20 years and it's just the perfect thinness now and I've never not had a good day or night in it so I just <laughs> love it I love it and it's not special to anyone but me and it's I know that and it goes back to the boiler suit because whenever I wear it I feel really attractive and people are attracted to me or you know I, I feel quite magnetizey and that's because of how I feel in the thin one pound blue t-shirt so I think that means a lot more to me than a dress that would have cost 300 quid not that I really have anything like that um I think it means a lot more to me the way something makes me feel and that t-shirt just does it every time every time and he doesn't have them anymore. They're all long now. This was like the perfect crop to the to the belly button. Is there an era that you wish you existed in just for the fashion? 70s, yeah. I'm really interested in how people what, what like everyday denim and uh sort of nights out different kind of uh, parts of England. Like I want to know how people dressed on a night out in the 70s in like Sheffield. Like, that's what I'm interested in because that's just story, 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 isn't it? And I think the 70s, I ask my mum and my dad all the time, they say everything was just a greyer. Everything was actually greyer. London was a greyer place. It actually was. Um, the buildings, the weather, all of it. And mm. I think style, personal style, definitely my family, my parents, oh, I just think they would go, they were just flexing in the late 70s, early 80s. So I would have loved to have been around that. And, and you know, no Instagram, mm. no social media. I mean, that is dressing for oneself at that time. Mm. Such freedom and such power. And, you know, my parents were punks. So what they wore was important to who they were and where they were in their life. And everyone squatted, so no one had any money. So, of course, the charity shops is where you go. My uncle Sean used to wear, like, just, like, beautiful sort of, Armani suits that he'd find and then battered up old trainers and he was just um, just gorgeous just just what <laughs> style what style <laughs> I I adore the 70s as well my my there's some great pictures of my parents just looking like because my parents are farmers and always been quite involved in well dad's a mechanic and mum's a farmer so they're quite agricultural people grew yeah. up in Wales as well and my dad, there's a picture of like my mum holding a pony at some county show. She's got these <laughs> incredible sort of like wild uh, trousers that are sort of like a, a kick flare with sort of um, stripes down them and like yes. a massive jumper. And she's she's holding a pony and my dad's next to her in a pair of turquoise flares and a, and a big sort of pointy collared thing. And I'm like, what is going what on is here? You're fucking on. amazing. And they're like, this is Wednesday. It's like, okay. <laughs> I love that. I love that. It's just individuality all over the bloody shop. Yeah, it's amazing. And the clothes. I've still got shirts of my dad's from the 70s and they're still great. Just even high street stuff was made in yes. mu much better quality to last. That is true. Even the high street then was brilliant. Um, you're so lucky. My mum doesn't have any of her clothes. I'm like, where's that? And she's like, who knows? She didn't keep anything for me. Nothing. But my nan's got stuff for me. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> do you think now because I feel like that when my mum's like when I see something I'm like how dare you get rid of that I would never fit it in it but how dare you get how rid of you? it um, how dare you I'm holding on to stuff now for my children because I'm like I don't want them to see something in me cross at me totally my mum had these tassel dresses made for her that was so cool in like red black and gold I think she had one in and I was obsessed with them when she sang she would wear them when she performed and I was just like <gasps> and I was like the other day where are those tassel dresses <laughs> I don't know. I was like, Mum, for fuck's sake, how can you not know? <laughs> They're like bespokely made tassel dresses from the 80s. She just, she's like, she, she now, obviously, as everyone knows, style's very important to her and it's a very big part of her career. And But it's taken a while for my mum to sort of get into her style again and feel confident and really go somewhere really no one ever expected. She's a lot of watched a lot of drag race basically and <laughs> simultaneously started working loads and loads more and has really created this whole new identity for herself through what she's wearing. But she's still Andy, you know what I mean? She's still mum, but I just love that clothes have become such a huge part of her life because they never mm. really, really were. They have been sporadically but not like now. And I think as a fifty seven year old black woman on telly it's nice to show you can still, you know, vibe it out. Yeah. I love that. I'm so impressed by mum and what she does on telly She's with her so style. so fantastic. I'm, uh, I'm going to ask her. She'd be a great episode. Um, yeah, she would. She would. Um, 
Have you got an item clothing that you put on that you instantly feel great in? Yeah, it's an olive green mini skirt um, that I uh, wore to host Sunday brunch recently and I was like, this is what you wear on telly to have some fun. It felt <laughs> great. It's like four quid and it was to the knee, but it was just really nice on the waist and I got it taken up just to exact right uh, length and I wore it with this stripy um, uh, green black and white top that I got from BHF in Chingford. And I thought this whole outfit costs an eight, eight quid under a tenner and I'm hosting Sunday brunch. So it felt quite powerful to again show that mm. the, these norms and these particular ideas just mean nothing. You can wear whatever you want. And that skirt makes me feel sexy and powerful. It does. Yeah, it does. I love it. It's such a good olive green. It's just perfect. And I love, and and it was like this much longer and me and Sev just took it up to here. She did such a what nice job. What material is it? I can't even explain. It's like really nice sort of crepe almost. But let me tell you about this label. Cause I was like, yeah, that's, <laughs> that's the shit I'm looking for. Oh, it's like French. Irene Van Rib, poor idem, Paris. Like brilliant. <laughs> Where the hell is that? Where the hell is that? I just thought that is my, that, to me, that's the kind of shopping and experience that, I don't know, makes life worth living. Yeah. (laughs) What is your experience? Because we've chatted about it quite a bit, but like lots of people have a tricky relationship with shopping. Are you someone who does it online? Do you want to be there in person? Is it all secondhand now or do you still use the high street? If I'm really honest, I don't use the high street anymore. I haven't shop there for a very long time I don't think I will um it is mainly charity shops yeah it's charity shops and I quite like to shop alone because I'm quite a hunter and I do a good two hours session just up and down Stokey sometimes I'm like oh I'm gonna check out Well Street or maybe I'll go a bit further to the suburby bits and I I really enjoy it as time to myself because I like Mm. it's this one time where my mind is working sort of like presenting it's like my mind's working but I I'm not even there. It's like bigger than me. It's like, I wish I could see my facial expression when I'm in a charity shop because I do just get like, and I just know (laughs) what I want and who I am in the same way that I feel when there's a camera on me. I'm just like, I know who I am. I know what I'm here to do. (laughs) That's how I feel. So you just hit onto like a higher plane. It's a different frequency. It's a different frequency. It is. It 100% is. Like if you said to me today, um, you got tomorrow off and you can go charity shopping, I'd be like, oh, that sounds like a good day. Where will I go? Like, it, for me, it's like the most beautiful way to spend time with myself. Mm. It becomes quite an internal experience. I, that's exactly how I feel. It's my, like, it's my me time thing is charity shopping. Mm. Zone out. I love talking to the people that work in charity shops. They always have such great stories and so much more, so much better knowledge than people think, actually, like... I think you people should know that you can talk to the people who work there and the, and the, the shops are a lot more organised than you think and there are sections and they, they are there to help and they really do. Yeah, and it's... They really do. It's, it's a good mix of relaxing and stimulating, I find, as well. Do you know mm. what I mean? Like, it's this thing of being like... But, they like, the real sort of kick of adrenaline I get when I find something amazing that I'm like, I'm going to have this forever. Yeah, it was a quid. Yeah, 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 and it was a quid! <laughs> And it was a quid. It's just like, oh, please. I refuse to live any other way, you know? The, do I don't know if they have it in London, but there's so many up here where there's a rail outside and it just says a pound handwritten hastily on a bit of card and there's a rail of stuff. Like, if there's one of those outside a charity shop, I'm like, it's going to be great inside. Yep, yeah, yeah, we sometimes have those. Uh, not enough, I think. Um, you know, I am. there are parts of me that are worried because they're... I think there are certain charity shops that are a bit overpriced. And I I think it would be a real shame to take this sector into a place it doesn't need to go. Because it really is about helping the community around you and and us all looking after each other. And if this new sort of, uh, the new eyes on this sector, the new eyes on the secondhand world, incurred it to then become something that we started to not be able to afford i'd be livid livid because it's quite a sacred world Mm. and it needs to be existed in in the right way and lived in within the right way so i hope that i hope that the industry doesn't um mess with charity shops too much i think i don't think it will yeah and i i I think they're a great thing but like 
I never was very excited about Oxfam Originals because I'm like, oh, no, the fun bit for me is discovering it. And yeah. if someone's discovered it for me, I'm like, oh, that's not what I wanted. I wanted to stumble across it myself. Yeah, give me the hunt back. I think well, what we should all, <laughs> what every charity shop should remember is that there isn't anything there that needs to be sort of modernised or anything. I, don't, I think the experience is on point. And it, people mm. just need to have that experience more and more and realise how much it gives them mm. and how rewarding it is. And then you get beautiful clothes at the end that you have forever yeah. for a pound. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think this will be the most difficult question I've asked you then, which is, um, which is what is the best thing you've ever got secondhand or from a charity shop or thrifted? I feel like it would change every week with you. <laughs> yeah, of course. That is a toughie. I would say this long leather coat which is really narrow and it's to the knee and it's old mash-up leather, but it's soft and it's quite thin. And I think if it was on a high street, from a high street shop, it would be bulkier, the leather wouldn't be as nice and I don't think it would be cut as narrowly. There's something about the cut that, mm, that I know I could have only found it in a charity shop. And it's stylish and I wore it to... Um, the Roxanne at Linux show and everyone was like what what are you wearing I was like literally 10 pound jacket <laughs> so again when I can take things out of the space I find them in and take them to places they never thought they'd go as it were I feel like that's just fun for me and the item and that jacket I always feel so good in that yeah I love it it's definitely one of my favorite things I've ever found yeah I love and that gray suit and that gray suit and that gray suit oh what gray suit it is too hard a question Oh, it's just so good. I just put it on and it just fits so well. And suits don't fit that well all the time. But the trousers were like... And then they came down with a little kick flare. And then the jacket was a bit oversized. And I wore it to um, host the Cheltenham Literature Festival with my mum. I just ran out and went to the first charity shop and found it in five minutes for 20 quid. <gasps> and then wore it. And, and it had a waistcoat. So I wore it without the jacket and just the waistcoat and trousers. And I just felt so good. So good. And it was cool to like host something um, and wear something from the charity shop down the road from it. Because you never know where it came from. How do you see your style evolving or do you see your style evolving as you as you get older? Well, when I turned 30, I suddenly thought I had to stop wearing mini skirts, and that was a really upsetting day for me. And now I'm 37 and I wear them every day, basically. So <laughs> I think I think for me, uh, the involvement of one's style is quite nice to come and find you. I don't think I could plan it, but I do know that... Um, the, the, I don't know. I couldn't tell you because the things that I love now are so the backbone of my wardrobe, i.e. I love... a beautifully crafted kitten heel shoe I love a mini skirt I love a sleeveless sweater vest I love a man's jumper a cashmere jumper there are just staples that I love but I'd be interested to see how they're going to start evolving because but I think it will find me I don't think I know it's bigger than me I'll let it find me <laughs> oh and I am going to start wrapping my hair big time I definitely love want it. to do that I think that'd be really nice I also think as um I, as a black woman, I don't think people associate... I think people find it more surprising that this is where I like to shop as well. And I quite like the idea of mixing. So I've been, I've been buying these little... Because, you know, secondhand shopping isn't just charity shops. I also go to the African stall on Ridley Road Market and buy these, like, £10 little girls' dresses, but they just look like mini dresses in, like, kente print. I love those. Love those. And I got them, I got top versions and I was wearing those with like little tailored skirts that I found in charity shops. So I'm really also trying to mix my heritage, who I am, where I'm from and uh, and show that that can be sort of, I don't know, all thrown together and something quite mm. exciting can come from that. So I'm excited to know because when I got to the Caribbean, I was like, oh, I'm so Caribbean. They all like neat jeans, a good shirt, a plimsoll. <laughs> I was like, this is how I like to dress. I'm just Caribbean. <laughs> That's why my nanny is my biggest style icon, I think, apart from Cher, my nanny. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I've, I've been quite interested to see, you know, I'm doing a lot of different kinds of work at the moment in lots of incredible places and meeting a lot of different people. So I'm excited to see how that stuff influences like what, what, 
where I how I start dressing that's so interesting it does sound like wherever you go you pick up things like you know when you're in Spain you're like I got grunge yeah and go into the Caribbean and be like yeah just picking up bits from everywhere it's um uh, it's um adds to the adventure as well right yeah. and the story collecting stories all over the place that's like my job for my actual job and also I think that's way the way I like to dress definitely I see people I think about the story behind them and why they put that on today all the time it's so nice um to hear you talk about it because you you talk about clothes the way that I in the same passionate way that I do it for the same reasons but what struck me when you're talking about it then especially when you're talking about shopping is like it's almost like and this is I don't want to put words in your mouth but like it's almost like a spiritual thing that you're tapping into this much bigger thing and there's a sense of history and story and heritage that's sort of like it's almost how people feel about religion or you know visiting certain buildings absolutely absolutely I think that's why I said when we first started talking like it runs deep because that's why I always say we're not really talking about fashion we're talking about style and clothes and I think that they, those two things, the clothes you buy and the style you have, it comes from the life you've lived, the experiences you've had, the people you know, the way you love, the way you feel, the way you dance. And I think if anyone feels lost in what they want to wear, tap into that. Tap into some deeper stuff because it's not just clothes. You know, it's energy. It really is an energy. And I think if my life wasn't, if I hadn't built myself back up and was doing all the great things I always wanted to do again then I probably wouldn't be dressing like this, but I'm happy and I'm proud of myself. So I'm dressing in a way that has pride and adventure and freedom because I feel like those are three things that I've really tried to bring back into my life. So remembering that it's not just clothes and it is actually your energy Mm -hmm. and to tap into that whenever you want to get dressed, that's where the real adventure is and the real fun one last question for you. Thank you so much for your time. This has been such a great episode. Oh, thank Um, you. So this might be feel like um, a bit sombre, but see it as a celebration. Um, so you're no longer with us. It's your funeral. Um, you're going to be buried or cremated. Um, you're in, a, in the casket. We can see you. What's the outfit? God, that is a bit intense. <laughs> 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 I'm in a... Okay, should I just say what's coming to my head? I don't know why. Yeah. Oh my god, and it's oh my god, that's really weird. It's the outfit I wore to church with my mum in the Caribbean. That's really weird. This is just what came to my head. White shirt and then like a sort of um kind of stiff shirt and then a sort of silk emeraldy turquoisey pencil skirt. And then my hair wrapped. I think I would like to be in the grave with my hair wrapped. And that is one Oh my gosh. Yeah, that's really weird that I just I thought that's the outfit, and I thought, why do I know that? And it's like, because I've just seen that, because we're in the edit at the moment, and I was like, I've just seen, that is what I wore to church, and I've never managed to get my mum to church until, of course, we were filming a TV show. So she, uh, <laughs> she and she and I had quite a spiritual, incredible time there, so I think it must have stayed with me more than I thought, because it's now the outfit I want to be buried in. But yeah, <laughs> that's, that's what I see. That's a great outfit. I may wear it before the grave, because it's such a nice outfit. I may wear that again. <laughs> It's a, it's a beautiful outfit. Um, and this has been a beautiful episode. Thank you so much for doing it. You've been so wonderful. How great was that episode? Now, I'm absolutely singing from the same hymn book when it comes to clothes as Makita. I love a chasm shop, I love secondhand. But this chat and listening to it back, actually, for the edit is really... Well, it's really made me commit to redoubling my efforts. I try and be as sort of sustainable as I can and try and shop at indie so I know I'm more responsible, try and not use, you know, fast fashion. I'm aware that lots of this is entrenched in privilege. Um, but I'm I'm just really going to go for it this year. My pals and I, in fact, have challenged each other to only buy secondhand or swap clothes for the first six months of the year. So that might not feel like a big thing, but I'm used to just... I get a kick from acquiring things, but I think maybe I can still get that kick from the old chazzes. And I'm just... I'm going to lean into the swapping nature of stuff. I've swapped some clothes recently, and it's been great. You get to flance around. It feels like you've got a new outfit. You don't feel bad if you only wear it a couple of times because then it goes back to its original owner. I also love, 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 love bringing people into this little cupboard where I'm recording this right now and being like, right, what are we dressing you for? Um, 
because also my weight fluctuates so much. Babes, you can be a size six, you can be a size 36. I'll have something to fit you. <laughs> um, so yeah, if you want to double the size of your wardrobe, just become a good friend of mine. Um, so yeah, I'm going to keep you guys posted on how that goes. I've got a couple of things being made for me for my tour. But other than that, it's going to be nothing new, um, which is, well, it's a bit scary. Um, so I thought I would talk about a vintage small business. Um, now, vintage... I know, and in fact, I raise it in this chat with Makita, is not very size inclusive. However, I think I might have found a bit of a workaround for that. Um, I'm, I am sceptical when it comes to sort of size inclusive vintage, because also I'm a bigger lass myself, and I know the roller coaster of finding a vintage gem in a charity shop and then seeing a label that says 14 and knowing that that's going to come up more like a 10. And it doesn't matter that you know that, you still, you know, feel like, oh... So I can't fit into this and I'm still working on that thing of having my self-esteem linked to what number is on uh, clothes that I put on. So I'm going to tell you about this business that might help if you are in a similar situation to me. It's a female-run vintage business. So yes, please. Yes, please. Very sustainable. It is called Plus Size Pinup Boutique and it specialises in vintage items in sizes 16 and over. Occasionally a 14 pops on there, but yeah, 16 and over. It is run by a gal called Roxy, who, weirdly, I used to bump into on the open mic scene in Preston. Yes, all my stories will be this glamorous and showbiz. Uh, she's an actor, singer, loads of other talented things, but she is and always has been amazingly well-dressed. So on her Instagram page, and I th she's got an Etsy as well, she does all the styling, sourcing and modelling herself so you can actually see what these pieces look like on a human plus size body and um, she has a measurements on her institute which is so useful and i can't think of many folk outside of drag that rock a wig harder than her she's the queen of wigs um so there's loads of great styling ideas on there as well as well as that just that useful thing of being like okay this is what it would look like on me or oh okay well that's going to be a bit tighter on my bum because it's a bit bigger it's just so invaluable and a great sort of um, sustainable way to be shopping. She's also taught me how to care for my mohair too. I had no idea where to even start with that. And caring for vintage is something that I am very aware of because I feel like, you know, you're a custodian of this stuff. Um, she did this tutorial on caring for mohair, how to clean it, um, you know, what to use for how long, what temperatures. Absolute game changer, guys. I no longer have to drown my cardigans in perfume so they don't smell of a charity shop. So go and give her a follow on Instagram at Plus Size Pinup Boutique um, if that is your thing. And she also has an Etsy. I'll make sure I share um, her page and highlight it in our small business highlights on Instagram. Thank you so much to everyone who keeps messaging us on Insta and people finding the podcast all the time, which is lovely. And people uh, recommending it to other people is absolutely gorgeous. Um, and emailing us as well. Oh, I really love the chats that we're having with you guys. And so much of what you've said about Series 1 has helped us to build Series 2 and the kind of guests we're getting on and the kind of conversations that you guys want from us. So thank you for that. And um, we've got an email here from Lottie who says, Hi, Kiri. I'm a huge fan of the pod. Every episode has had me aggressively nodding along and I've been really enjoying the diversity of the guests. I've just listened to the episode with Sophie Hagen. The entire conversation was so enlightening and fascinating to listen to. And I applauded when the topic of school uniform came up. I went to primary school for two years before being taken out and home educated. During those two years, I had a really rough time for many reasons. But I particularly remember constantly idolising the beautiful popular girls because their hair and uniform didn't look like mine. It created an environment where our poorness and my mum's make-do and mend attitude was really highlighted, making me an outcast. When I was taken out of school, I really blossomed in terms of clothing and self-expression. That's so great to hear, Lottie. She says, I had more questionable outfits than I care to dwell on. Yes. <laughs> but the main thing is that I felt amazing because I was wearing exactly what I wanted. I think this is a really important part of my development into later life and having confidence when it comes to my fashion choices. I experimented more than any of my peers with colours and trends, had a go at most phases, including goth, emo, scene, hippie, punk, and picked elements of all of these to hang on to. Yes, you're speaking to my soul here, Lottie. Nowadays, I don't think I'm quite as experimental as I was throughout my adolescence. 
But I've hung on to the playfulness and enjoyment that I get out of mixing up my appearance and putting together outfits. I nearly always get a comment on how brave my clothes or hair are every time I go out. And I think it's sad that people feel like you need to be brave to wear what you want. Maybe if everyone was given more freedom with their appearance at a younger age, then people would be more liberated and have more creative freedom when it comes to styling. As ever, thanks so much for the wonderful conversations. What a great message, Lottie. I had never thought about it um, in terms of that. And I, yeah, I guess I still have that old fashioned idea that school uniform is a way of protecting people without money. But, you know, there's like, I mean, kids are just really astute with that stuff, aren't they? They will zone in on, you know, what logo you've got on your plain black trainers um whether it's it's black on black or not so yeah i think that there's maybe something the freedom and liberation of expressing yourself is definitely worth the offset of you know potential label snobbery or whatever else goes on and you're right that happens with uniforms anyway um i think you're so right as well do you know what i've noticed that so many of the people on this podcast that i think are really stylish were goths and emos and hippies and punks and all that sort of counterculture stuff when they were teenagers it's so rare that they were like oh yeah i just loved top shop and whatever they said to wear i would wear they're always the sort of like you know outsider people who are then cherry picking from all that and have the style that they have today so yeah I think um well I can already tell mate you're going to be very stylish <laughs> you're exactly the kind of person I'd have on the podcast um thank you so much for sending that and just being so honest about your journey with it as well um yeah food for thought uh, as someone who wants to have a family and kids and the school uniform chat is obviously going to come up and hmm very interesting mate um if you would like to email us, you can email us on whoyouwearingpod at gmail.com. On Instagram, we are at whoyouwearingpod. Um, you can DM us on there. I don't look because I keep away from any DMs. But producer Joe is all over it. And also, if you would like to kick off your new year with a lovely review of the podcast, I'd buzz off that, mate. I'd absolutely love it. Because the more nice reviews, the more um, people find us and uh that's all I want. I want as many people to listen to these conversations because the guests coming on are being so open and really pulling out a piece of their heart. So I just want to repay them by having as many people listen to these really incredible um, conversations as possible. Um, we are back next week with a fantastic, iconic national treasure, Joe Lysett. And um, so come and join us as I chat to the fantastic Joe Lysett and ask him, who are you wearing? Bye. Wearing is produced by Joe Southard, the artwork is by Mary Phillips, and the music is by Annie Glass. This has been a Little Wonder production.